His soul was noble, gentle and kind, yet his choices left chaos behind. It was Balerian he did ride, only a year before the Blackred died. Blackfire was his ancestral blade, yet with which Aegon's enemies were slayed. He sought a male heir and kept trying, which led to his wife sadly dying. Losing his day-old son caused despair, so he chose his daughter as his heir. Then he passed on Aegon's desire, his dream, the song of ice and fire. Love killed duty when he chose his wife, but choosing Alicent caused much strife. He had his brother often exiled, but when he returned, he always smiled. Even while he was failing in his, even while he was in failing his health, the greens were plotting with guile and stealth. He wished the infighting would cease. He now rests in everlasting peace. Says Zion Brose's Ixos, Viserys Targaryen, and his name is Viserys Targaryen. This is a watch party of Ice and Fire. That intro was from Uzma with the help of Our Lady Tyrant Morrigan. Uh, we are your hosts, Solar. Valar Morgulis. Constance. Good evening, one and all. Uzma. Ritsa Sejorna, a.k.a. Hello and welcome. And myself, Sam. In this podcast, we will be talking everything and anything, A War of Ice and Fire. And then in this episode, we are talking about Viserys' journey throughout the House of the Dragon series and comparing that with his journey in the books. So while we won't be going into anything in the books past, we, 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 past what we've seen in the show, excuse me, this is your book spoiler warning. So um, we're not going to get into anything past what we've seen in House of the Dragon, but this is like a spoiler of what happens in the books and a little bit of the show too. So like, I don't know why you'd be listening if you haven't watched the show, but spoiler. Um, be sure to listen and pay close attention as you can elevate your maester's rank and win links and prizes by listening to the podcast and answering our trivia. Before we get into the episode, we're starting with our segment, For the Love of Lore, where I will be going over anything involving history, culture, and customs in the World of Ice and Fire. The council will then discuss the lore and how it affects the current episode. In today's lore, we're talking about the other Valyrian steel sword, Blackfire. Arguably the most famous Targaryen Valyrian steel blade, um, it's a hand and a half sword, so it's like half a long sword, half a great sword. Uh, it's got a broader blade. Um, the It's got like a golden grip and pommel. I, I wasn't sure what the pommel looked like in the show. I'm not sure if you all who went to the House of the Dragon or the Game of Thrones Museum, if you knew what was on the pommel. I like couldn't really figure it out on the pictures. Uh, they just had Dark Sister. They didn't have Blackfire. Oh, well, shit, bummer. Yeah. Okay, never mind. And I went looking for black fire, hardcore. <laughs> I think we well, yeah. discussed the sword in the first uh, episode of our podcast. Uh, there were two dragons uh, on the side, right? Oh, yeah, so that, well, yeah, so I have the, I saw that there were the two dragons kind of, like, on the hill. I'm talking, like, at the pommel at the very end of the sword where, they, like, he, where Viserys it holds was, it. Uh, it kind of looked like a, a star, right? Kind yeah. Kind of, like, seven-pointed star, maybe? That's kind of looked like that. I just like wasn't. I didn't want to commit entirely to a star, but yeah, it's it's a seven pointed. All right, sweet. Well, it's a seven pointed star. Um, 
But the sword was like a, uh, it was a like sign of royalty, essentially. Like the king was always the one that wielded Blackfire for the most part. Um, it was mostly to, like wielded by the Targaryen kings, but was moved around a little bit here and there. Um, Aegon had it for the conquest. Um, was it brought over before that from Old Valyria? We're not quite sure. Um, but it is known that Aegon had it, and he basically went ham on Westeros with his sword and dragons. Um, he would have it, he would give his first son, Aenys, like, a go at the sword every now and then, but Aenys was just, like, not a warrior and never really got used to using it. But his brother, Maegor, like, had a good time with it anytime he got a chance to hang out with it. Which leads us to when Aegon um, died. Uh, he, he was cremated with the sword, but the sword, being Valyrian steel blade, being a Valyrian steel blade, did not um, did not burn with him. Uh, the sword was removed, and the blade was actually made darker. Um, Aenys gifted the sword to Maegor. Um, he basically just told him, like, "You've always been the better warrior." So, like. Here's the sword. Uh, a lot of people like kind of saw that as kind of weird, considering it's like you know a symbol of like you being king and you're giving it to Magor. It's almost like him saying you should be king. Uh, Magor actually left Dark Sister Dragonstone and he carried Blackfire with him. When Magor is actually exiled, instead of leaving Blackfire like Aenys wanted him to, he took it with him. Uh, after Aenys died, Maegor returned to claim the throne with Blackfire at his side, and he spilled a lot of blood with Blackfire. Like, so much blood, it's real, oh my god, it's killed so many people. Um, but eventually, uh, the realm turned on Maegor, and... Uh, after the realm turned on him, um, Reyna actually stole Blackfire and brought it to Jaehaerys, and Maegor died shortly after. Um, Jaehaerys also decided to use uh, Blackfire over Dark Sister. He didn't use it nearly as much as Maegor, but he did take down the Third Dornish Rebellion by slaying Boris Baratheon. Um, from there, Viserys, who we saw in the show, obviously had the sword, but he never really used the sword. It was just kind of a symbol for him, really. We, you know, Viserys was also not one for, uh, for fighting, and it was a pretty peaceful time during his reign, so he didn't really need to use the sword. Um, and then from there, as we saw in the show, Aegon II, he was given the sword to basically strengthen his claim. Um, by giving him the sword, it makes him look like king. So that, and, you know, Otto Hightower basically said that at, or he did say that at Dragonstone after he was, uh, crowned, so that makes a lot of sense. And then further down the line, after a few other, um, Targaryen, uh, kings, we go to Daemon Blackfire. Um, Aegon the Unworthy actually bestowed the sword to his bastard, Daemon Waters, at the time. Um, and this was a bit of a scandal, considering that Aegon the Unworthy did have a legitimate son in the eyes of everybody in Daeron. So by giving this sword to Daemon, he basically was like almost solidifying him as heir, which obviously brought on rumbles. And then, of course, we get the great bastards who are all legitimized. Damon becomes legitimized, creating the House uh, Blackfire, starting the first Blackfire Rebellion. Um, the Blackfire is obviously named after Blackfire the Sword. Um, after Damon dies on the Redgrass Field, um, Bittersteel, Agor Rivers, actually took the sword with him and used it to start the Golden Company. Um, the second Blackfire Rebellion, which really wasn't a rebellion at all, it was just kind of like stopped before it started, 
But Bittersteel actually refused to give the sword to Damon II because Damon II just kind of sucked. And Bittersteel was like, yeah, I'm not giving you this sword. Um, but the sword just kind of stays in Essos after that. And Bittersteel ends up dying. And the sword now, it's pretty much completely unknown where it is. Um, the main theory is that it's actually with the Golden Company or Irio Mopatis. Um, Irio mentions a gift to Aegon in uh, the Song of Ice and Fire, so it's basically theorized that like he's eventually going to be given the sword um, when he you know claims himself as king or whatever. Um, but what do you all think about the historical sword Blackfire? Uh, Uzma, we'll start with you. I think it's a very cool sword. Uh, after the crown, uh, Blackfire is the only symbol of uh, you know uh, the power that this guy, this person has to be king. You can see the impo- importance of the sword, Blackfire, when uh, it was passed down to, uh, like you said, uh, Damon Blackfire. And uh, despite uh, ha- the king having a legitimate son, most people considered Damon to be heir just because he was given Blackfire. In fact, a whole new house was created after the sword, Blackfire. And... Um, Viserys never used uh, the sword Blackfire. Uh, even when he threatened uh, to have someone's tongue removed or have someone killed, he never used uh, Blackfire. Do you think uh, it's uh, kind of symbolizes uh, his weakness? Because even King Jaehaerys, who was uh, who had a very peaceful reign, even he used Blackfire during a tri- trial by combats and other uh, things. He he has used Blackfire and killed. Uh, several people. Do you think Viserys ever used the sword or killed anyone with Blackfire? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, that's not his spirit. That's not Viserys. Yeah, Yeah, I can't see him doing that either. (laughs) What about you, Constance? Well, I didn't know that uh, they had, Aegon had it with him when he was burned and they picked it off the funeral pyre and it got darker. That's cool. That's yeah. that's that makes the sword even more badass than it was originally. <laughs> yeah, that was a fact that I didn't know myself when like <laughs> looking up black fire and I was I thought that was cool too. Especially cool. and then like it even says like because it's regular fire, which like you know, probably means a dragon fire. Yeah, I was wondering one thing. Uh do you think uh it kind of works into some kind of black magic? Like his some of his soul or some of his essence went into the sword? Because we know when Danny were burned three three lives uh, in and it uh, resulted in three dragons being hatched. Uh, so it kind of like alive in terms you know, three well, lives. Valerian for, steel well, is magical. So kind of like, it's entirely possible. Yeah, it, yeah. And the magic in the system is really subtle. Yeah. It is very subtle. So that that tracks, actually. That would be cool if part of Aegon's soul is in the sword. <laughs> it's a shame we don't know where it is in the modern, you know, in, in Game of Thrones. We have no idea where that sword really is. But who knows? Yeah, it is definitely. I really hope yeah, we find right. out in Winds of Winter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I call urban myth and legends. That book is never being written. Never being written. (laughs) It's just being released chapter by chapter online. But um, honestly, I'm on the fence about Blackfire. Like half of me is going, dude, yeah, cool sword, all that stuff. But then it becoming a symbol of office um, says a lot about the anthropology of 
Westeros in and of itself. Like most rulers have a scepter and these guys have that sword, you know, and it's like yeah. a presumably magic sword along with a presumably magic um, throne along with presumably magic dragons. It, it's magic. Yeah. And people. Yeah. You know, well, they got it. They, they were able to find <laughs> hair bleach in Westeros, you know, I mean, it, it's that, that kind of thing. So, but yeah. Um, so I, I do wish that it's seen more combat, but I'm that kind of person that says if the King orders a war, they'd better be on the battlefield, <laughs> you know? So yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely of two minds of it. Still in my top three, but definitely two minds of uh, about that sword. So, what's hmm? number one? I don't know. We might end up doing a doing a, top three. <laughs> doing a a show <laughs> on House Dane one day. <laughs> oh, I don't know what sword yeah, you could be talking know. about now. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, just uh, I have a thing for any sword that's made out of meteors, yeah. you know. That'll, so that'll yeah, it's pretty that. dope. If I can get my hands on the one that knighted Terry Pratchett, oh. I'd be like stoked for like a day, yeah. you know. Then I. I still can't imagine, uh, like in this world, the sword go glowing in the dark. <laughs> oh man. It. <laughs> Because if you think about it, it will be kind of like lightsaber. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> if it, it actually glows. It, it <laughs> does have big Sith energy. Now that you now that you think about it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our for the love of lore segment. Next, we have our Raven's Eye segment, where Solar will be talking about the cinematography and directorial choices made and how they affected the show. Uh, to you, Solar. Hello, hello, everyone. I am Solar Gray, and welcome. To the Raven's Eye. So today we are going to be talking about the first confrontation, first of many confrontations throughout the history on the Bridge of Dragonstone. Um, I speak, of course, between Damon Targaryen, Otto Hightower, and good old Ray Ray Targaryen, also known as Princess Rhaenyra. Um, now, I believe it was episode, um, episode two, season one, episode two, where just to set some context, um, Damon has been accused of stealing, um, of stealing a dragon egg and taken off to Dragonstone when he was told to go home. <laughs> and so, you know, he takes his girlfriend, he takes his, um, he he takes his girlfriend, he takes the egg, and he takes um and he takes the house that his niece is supposed to be living at. So, of course, machinations, small council, small council, machinations, machinations, and it culminates into Otto Hightower going to Dragonstone to meet with Damon. Um, essentially to say, give us the egg. And either go to prison or go home. And Damon being Damon, well, we talk about him a lot here. So um, <laughs> so what we have is a scene that is comprised of a lot of tension. And cinemagraphically, <laughs> I said the word correctly this time. Uh, what we have 
is a lot, <laughs> and I mean a lot of um, a lot of smoke. Okay, just just a lot of smoke. Um, let's see if I can pull this up here. Pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it down. Yeah, we have a lot of smoke, or more to the point, we have a lot of fog on Dragonstone. Um, and this is very indicative. Like, this scene is very indicative of the relationship um, between the two characters and with what's going on in the plot. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, let me pull this up real quick. Um, do, 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 do. So, yeah, as we start in this scene, we have Otto walking to the Faded Bridge, um, rolling up with his boys. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And all that stuff. But even at very high resolution, everything is shrouded. We can't see the castle. We can't see the boat they came in. We can't even see the horse they rode in, in on before Damon tells them to fuck themselves and it too. Um, so what we have is a small piece of clarity, probably for camera reasons. And when we can finally see some of the castle, we see it behind Damon, okay? Um, if we take a look at his first scene here, let's just, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go, that's what I'm looking for. If we take a look at this shot, we have the hugeness of Dragonstone, but it's still shrouded. We can barely see the castle because <coughs> that's not what's important. Uh, what's important is Damon, the egg, Lady Misery, and how everyone reacts here, okay? Um, so we go through our shot reverse shot shenanigans and that leads us to the distance between the two. Ah, yeah, that leads us to the distance between the two. If we take a really good look at this right here, um, there is a huge distance between the two parties. Okay, just a, a big gap in between them. However, I thought it was clever that Damon um, is so far ahead of his own people, you know, first into combat, first into conflict while we have Otto over here, um, right there with his backup. So that's very, very interesting. As we can see, it's approaching the golden hour. So we don't know if it's sunrise or sunset, unless the people in the comments are way better versed in Westeros geography than I am. <laughs> and, um, you know, as we have the shot reverse shot confrontation, um, every time we pull in on a character that isn't Otto or Damon, the audience is given a clue as to what they should be feeling. Specifically, these guys in back are kind of symbolizing us as the audience, as they play audience to their own, um, to their own scene here. Um... As we're going forward, the tension is building and the shots are getting tighter and tighter until we get, say, our third member of the epic rap battle of history in Rhaenyra Targaryen coming in. Oh, no, dragon confrontation and Otto going, yeah, look, I'm small. Um, however, once Rhaenys or Rhaenyra shows up all these are names 
um, we get a really, really interesting reveal due to the movement of the clouds, okay? Um, I think the cinematographer was really trying to pull a very, what is the term? Celestial is the wrong one because that means stars, but like these are characters and people that are almost above the clouds, you know, we, we have sort of a divine thing going like this is a confrontation between gods and monsters. And um, we get our third one in and the confrontation escalates. And though Rhaenyra parks her dragon behind Otto, she still kind of pulls the um, she still kind of pulls the thing of she goes to talk to them through auto as if to say um this guy works for my dad i'm not on his side but this is who i got to back me up so you and i are going to talk you know so um there's a lot to be said in this scene now what are you guys thinking are you guys seeing the over earthly parts the the mystery in in regards to who has what intention, who's playing what game? Like, are you guys, did you guys get that out of the fog and the clouds and the distance between the characters? Or is that just me being crazy? Uh, we'll start with you, Constance. Well, I did notice that, like, like you said, the shots get tighter and tighter to emphasize the urgency and the tension that's building up between these two sets of characters. And then as soon as Rhaenyra shows up, it goes widescreen again, right? It pulls all the way back so that you can see everything again the distance between the two of them which is closed and then her and the dragon um i i get what you're trying i i can't find the word either it's it's not celestial because that's stars it's not it's not terrestrial because that's earth but there's really nothing for clouds other than maybe ethereal and that doesn't quite work in this instance um Right, but, right, but um oh at least i can get that point yeah. across i'm, I'm happy yeah so it, it it does show that <laughs> The only thing that can stop a Targaryen is another Targaryen. And that's kind of the point they're driving home is that if Otto had, especially when the Craxis comes over the hills, right, towards the very end there, they pull wide again so that you can see the dragon coming mm. down, the size of, of the dragon versus the size of all the people um, for scale. So I think it's it's kind of saying that these, these are more than men. And that's the doctrine of exception, which I was just reading about. The Targaryens are closer to gods than the men which is something that this kind of mm -hmm. drives home is that they are not like normal people. Uh, Sam, what, what were your thoughts on the scene? Uh, well, I, I didn't, I didn't see what you were saying solar, but like everything you're saying makes complete sense to me. I mean, like the, you know, like we said, kind of the ethereal look to it. Like this was, I think, I think this is the first look of Dragonstone we get in the house of the house of the dragon series. So like, I feel like making it yes. look like, yeah, it almost looks like a Transylvanian castle with just like the smoke all around it and every or the fog all around it and like does give it like Ooh. a mystical kind of look to it and like I, I feel like it's like like you were like the fog I think was like a really cool touch like we didn't have that in Game of Thrones and I feel like throwing that in there did give it this level of like of like magic almost like you know the Targaryens like we were just talking about like have like this essence of magic and this like ethereal cloud with this like dark castle in the background like it's kind of very like i don't know I, the transylvanian kind of thing kind of 
kind of resonated with me. I like that you bring that up, especially since Gary Oldman did have the Targaryen hair in Dracula. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> Uzma, I really want to know what you think about this one, because this is a Damon scene, and I know that's your boy. So. <laughs> <laughs> The first thing I noticed uh, that really hit me was uh, when they showed the clouds, they showed something moving through the clouds. And uh, I I remember the Hollywood movies I used to watch uh, when I was a child. Like there were, uh, like there's some monster or something huge coming and uh, you can see them moving in, like what was that movie? Uh, That uh, creature uh, moved in the sands. Oh, Tremors? Uh, Tremors or something. Yeah, or Dune. Like uh, you can't see what's coming, but uh, you know something huge and powerful is coming. So it kind of like uh, that. Uh, it hit me like something was coming. And the second thing I noticed was Caraxus because uh, he looked really happy in that scene. <laughs> because uh, uh, <laughs> at first we saw there was a little confrontation on the bridge. Then we see uh, Caraxus coming from the back. By the way, he looked so tiny in comparison to Dragonstone. It just shows how huge dragonstone is and uh, then uh, from uh, when cyrax came in you can see uh, uh, Caraxes had following cyrax and you get the sense of happiness like he's smiling and is very happy <laughs> uh, i kind of noticed weird things like that first and uh, i wanted to address one thing uh, a lot of people were not happy that there were clouds and there were like a uh, fog surrounding dragonstone but i have to say uh, i think it makes sense because uh, the fog was there because of the volcano Dragonmont and the main reason Targaryens built Dragonstone was because of that uh, volcano Dragonmont because um, yeah dragons uh, thrive in that kind of heat and uh, in that kind of environment so it makes sense to uh, be there and the fog to be there I think it's still active in in current uh, Game of Thrones world. I think so. Right? Uh, Dragonmont, it's still active. Yeah. And uh, as for the scene, uh, just like you mentioned, uh, Rhaenyra comes in and uh, she shows how she is not afraid. Uh, she so- shows how fierce, uh, fierce she is, just going through it and just daring uh, Damon to kill her. Um, like, I'm right here, uncle. Uh, you can end this right now. She knows Damon would never do that kind of thing. She knows he's just throwing a tra- tantrum and want, he just wants attention from Viserys. Uh, and uh, it, as, as you guys said, it shows the power of the Targaryens. Because if Rhaenyra hadn't shown up, you can see the scales were tipped in Damon's side. <laughs> scales, <laughs> and dragon. like Renita said, oh, yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, <laughs> scales. <laughs> and uh, like Renita said, uh, if she hadn't gone there, Otto, this would have ended in bloodshed. <laughs> Even Miss Arias agreed to yeah. it. Like people were seriously upset with all the smoke and clouds. Why? Yeah, I heard a lot of maybe. They said there was too much fog in it and it wasn't able to, like, it wasn't clear. They weren't able to see clearly and everything. Maybe they were comparing it to season eight, season seven or eight of Game of Thrones. Maybe it could be the reason why they were upset about it, but 
think I'm in in the Game of Thrones group, yeah. <laughs> so I see a lot of things. I think it's just people being mad, be like mad. <laughs> yeah. Dumb. Atmospheric distortion. Mm-hmm. It's in the background. It's gonna yeah. be harder to see. <laughs> It's like you've never have you ever seen fog? Has there yeah. like okay? <laughs> we'll just have really nice days every time on Game of Thrones, and there'll be yeah. no other weather. It's dumb. Hmm, that would be interesting, actually. The long <laughs> night, seventy-two and sunny. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you guys, and um, yeah, this has been the Raven's Eye. I'm Solar Gray, and I'm passing it back to you, Sam. All right. Thank you, Solar. Uh, we, we're we now going to jump into our portrait of a character segment, uh, where we will talk about a character's journey throughout House of the Dragon and compare that to the books. Uh, this week, I will be talking about Viserys' journey. So Viserys' journey starts with the Great Council of 101. The Great Council of 101 came about because of succession issues, and... Um, Aemon, uh, Jaehaerys' first son, uh, was killed by mere scou- scouts, and then Balon the Brave, Jaehaerys' second son, died from a burst belly. Um, all the great and greater and lesser lords were invited. Even Dorne had observers here, so, I mean, just a massive gathering of people, all at Harrenhal. And at the time, Harrenhal became the fourth largest city in Westeros, other than King's Landing, Old Town, and Lannisport. Uh, some of the claimants that we had in the show, it's uh, mainly just Viserys and Rhaenys. Um, Balon the Brave was actually named Prince of Dragonstone before he died, Before he died, um, passing over Rhaenys already. Uh, Rhaenys was Aemon's daughter, so she technically was already in line, but Jaehaerys just like moved over her automatically. That pissed off Rhaenys, it pissed off Corlys, and it even um, pissed off... Uh, Jaharis's wife, good queen Alisane, uh, and she was pushing for Rainey's to be queen until she died. So, like, that was something that they kind of never resolved between um, Jaharis and Alisane. Um, there's also multiple claimants from Essos. Um, there's the Bastards of Magor, um, and then Princess Sarah, who was just Jaharis's daughter, who just straight up bounced from Westeros. She had a bunch of children who came over and also vied for the throne. Um, Prince Vagon was one of those, and um, they Prince Vagon was all uh, Jaehaerys's other son. Um, he was suggested who actually suggested the Great Council. Um, he was looked over since he was a maester, and Rhaenys again was looked over at the Great Council because she was a woman. So this is like kind of all book stuff in the show. Like I said, Rhaenys and Viserys was basically between those two, but in the book, the top choices were Viserys, who at the time was twenty four years old, and Balon's first son. Um, he was also the last to ride Balerion, but he never had another dragon. Um, and then the other top choice is actually Lenor, who is Rainey's, uh son. He is seven years old, Aemon's grandson, so he is Jaehaerys's first son's grandson. So he also, like, has the second best claim, I guess you could say. Um, and Rainey's and Corlys's son, like I just mentioned. Um, due to Viserys's age and coming from a male heir, he won by a landslide. Um, this really did set the precedent of like a male heir to the throne. Um, King Jaehaerys wasn't even actually there for the verdict and just kind of congratulated everyone and told everyone to dip out. Um, but what do you all think of the Great Council um, in the books and how it like kind of was in the show? Constance, we'll start with you. 
I wish they had shown us more of the Great Council. I, I agreed. You know, I can understand why they didn't because it really doesn't have much bearing on the Dance of Dragons, other than s establishing this, like who should be ruler. But it's a lot of talking. There's no action. It's all it's all talk. Yeah, and that would be a really <laughs> boring way to start off the series. <laughs> I, w I picture like a like it's like election <laughs> night and people are just running around and it's oh, like yeah. some guys just standing <laughs> on the side saying the same number of votes for like two hours until he gets more votes and yeah oh yeah and and just the endless debate over who should be ruler I think I would be fascinated by that but I like that kind of drama uh, I find <laughs> that kind of political infighting and intrigue <laughs> to be very interesting like the different sure. people vying you know and then you've got Damon and Corliss that are both fighting to support their sides or gathering armies to support their sides. Yep. Uh, Damon obviously supporting his brother and, uh, and Corliss obviously supporting his wife slash son. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I wish we had seen more of the Great Council because it's like it showed it and it was cool. They had all these people. They had Jaharis. They had Herod Hull. And it was all of like a what? Three minute segment? one minute yeah. segment it was like narr the narrated yeah. segment and that yeah, was it. it it wasn't even all it wasn't even there yeah. but um that's that's what i took from it solar what was your take well as far as the great council in the book fuck those guys all right that's what i gotta say on that um line of succession has always been weird for me because i'm just kind of going how can i put this i don't care about gender I, I care about qualification of the job or chronological succession. So it's like, hey, oldest kid, there you go. You're the one you're going to be in charge of all this. You know, that that's how I look at it and all that stuff. But this is not my life and I am not a, I am not the writer of this book series. So um, the way that they handled it in the, in the show, I like that it was a 30 second scene or a 30 second to one minute scene in truth. I'm right there with you, Constance. I would have been glued. <laughs> you know, I think like everyone that went to see the movie Lincoln would have been glued about a bunch of old guys talking about law and no one gets punched in the face while the dragons sleep in the back and children run around doing what they're not supposed to do while old men sit around and talk. Um, I think it would have been a great main plot of an episode um, and we kind of got a little bit of that with um, the other show um, when John was elected to be Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, you know. And I think it was a wise decision in the show for them not to do that again. You know, they had already done it. And excuse me, um, the biggest complaint about every single fantasy or comic book um, based property is there's not enough action. I want to see more dragons. I want to see stuff. And the first season of this show was pretty much destined to be a whole bunch of people talking and not a lot of dragons. They're springing that on us later when the dance really starts. Um, but as far as the council goes, um, I do wish that we would get a little more, we would have gotten a little more talk about it because my personal headcanon is Viserys was elected by a landslide, not just because he was a man, but because he was a pushover. And Rhaenyra wouldn't have tolerated any of their nonsense, you know, 
that I mean, our Rainies would not have, you know, uh, Princess Nisi. Uh, she wouldn't. Uh, she she wouldn't have tolerated any of their foolishness, and I think they knew that, which is why they, which is, which played a major factor in his election. I don't know. Well, what say you, Uzma? You're the you're the book expert. I completely agree with you. I think part of the reason uh, why he won the votes twenty to one uh, was because uh, uh, he was a pushover. And also because Rainis had uh, her husband, Corliss Villarian. She had the support of Corliss. And uh, Damon was still very young at that time. Yes, he gathered the swords and uh, gathered an army in support of Viserys. But he was still very much uh, like compared to everyone else. He wasn't uh, a warrior at that time. He was good at fighting, but he wasn't experienced. So... Corliss would have been, you can see how powerful Corliss would have been at that time. And yeah, and you can see the prejudice and bias in that uh, because uh, uh, Jaehaerys used to listen to a lot of advice of Queen Alison. He changed a lot of laws uh, because of uh, he cancelled, uh, he abandoned the law of first night on the advice of Queen Alicent, even though he knew it would anger a lot of lords. And um, he knew a lot of, many lords will be pissed about it, and he didn't care. He still went with her suggestion. But when it came to the succession, when she said that Rainis should be chosen, he chose to ignore her advice. So, you can see, uh, even though he... Uh, respected her advice, even though he uh, valued her counsel, there was still a, a limit to how much he would, how far he would go to when it came, comes to her advice. And I think it makes sense. Uh, they set the precedent that, uh, yes, a king's brother would be, uh, they would rather have a king's brother instead of a daughter when it comes to an heir. So it makes sense why Damon uh, considers himself as heir. Uh, a lot of people call him power hungry that he was only that he only wanted the throne. Uh, but uh, you, if you you can set a precedent for uh, choosing a male heir over female, why can't this be a precedent for that as well? Everyone say uh, like. I don't know why I come back out to Damon all the time. But like, uh, when I see people call him power hungry and everything, I was like, that's uh, what happened in during the Great Council of 101 AC as well. So it makes sense why he thinks himself as heir, even though no one else wants him to. <laughs> that's my two cents. <laughs> now that makes sense. So uh, we begin the reign of Viserys. Um, Viserys is known as kind of an amiable, generous king. Um, he's bookish, a bit of a history nerd, and Damon is currently his heir. Um, in the book, he has like way less of an edge than the show. I think in the show they gave him like more of an edge. He was a uh, like Solar. You were saying he's like a pushover. I think he's like slightly less of a pushover in the show. Um, puts up with a little less shit. Um, and we first see him with his small council and his only living child, the realm's delight, Rhaenyra, who is the king's cupbearer. 
Uh, Corliss brings the, his first concerns of the triarchy in the Stepstones, um, but the heir's tourney is much more important to Viserys. Um, we see the maesters looking over the king, who has some wounds that won't heal. Um, this, like, consistently happens throughout the show, as we all see. And Otto's, like, wanting to keep this kind of, like, hush-hush at the moment. And then we meet uh, Queen Emma. Uh, Queen Emma has had multiple miscarriages, um, no boys, they've only ever had one child, Rhaenyra, um, and she is currently pregnant, and Viserys talks about his dream placing his son on the Iron Throne. Um, Viserys' dreams kind of like, I feel like they're, that's like the main one that comes up, but obviously we have like the dream of the Song of Ice and Fire, so like you can tell that Viserys is kind of like into prophecy already. Um, uh... Emma basically says to Viserys, like, this is the last time. I am not having any more kids after this one. Absolutely not. Um, and then Emma goes into labor, which brings on the tourney for the heir, um, is held in celebration. Um, in the books, this tournament is actually Viserys's ascension to the throne, and it's also held in Maidenpool, which I'm pretty sure Constance brought up when we went over Rhaenyra before. Um... Borman Baratheon at the tournament um, asked Rainey's the queen that never was for her favor. So this, I feel like, is just kind of putting out there that some people still in Westeros think that she's the rightful queen. Um, Viserys just kind of, like, waves it off. He, like, could not give a shit. And I think even Rainey's is like, okay, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. Um, and we move on from that. Uh, Viserys... Um, is told that Emma is struggling with the birth, and like we've talked about many times in this show, we get a horrific birth scene, the first one of the show, and Viserys does not handle this well at all. Um, he finds out that the child that the child might make it if they cut Emma open, which he just agrees to without even speaking to Emma, without even giving her warning, and she dies horrifically and also the child lasts about a day before dying as well um they named the child balon um and they have a shared funeral uh from there the council is all ready to work and wanting to name uh an heir which at this point um damon is the heir like he's been named in the show he's been named the heir um but viserys is grieving he doesn't want to hear any shit about an heir right now so he just like does not care and Otto sends Allison to actually comfort him. So this is the first time we're seeing this relationship start. And um, we see this model of Valyria that um, Viserys is playing with, which also becomes a pretty common thing in the show. Uh, finally, we get to the rumor of Damon saying heir for a day, and it's given by, of course, Otto. Uh, Viserys is absolutely furious. Yes, fuck that guy. Uh, Viserys is absolutely <laughs> furious. Um, he almost seems, I feel like he was almost seeming like, I, I rewatched this again and it kind of seems like he's more sad than angry that like Damon would do something like this. Um, and he sends Damon back to the Vale and unnames Damon um, as heir. Um, in the book, Viserys doesn't actually want Damon as heir at all and doesn't actually make him heir. Damon is pushing to be heir, but uh, that never happens. And when Rhaenyra gets named heir, Damon actually leaves on his own accord, pissed off that Rhaenyra is named heir. 
And in the show, just like the book, Rhaenyra is named heir. Um, and we get the first mention of the Song of Ice and Fire or the dream of, of Song of Ice and Fire um, about Aegon the Conqueror having a dream of a threat in the distant north um, and a Targaryen queen or king may, must sit on the throne. Um, and this is passed down from king to heir to heir to heir, whatnot. Uh, we get like a kind of a look at the dagger, not a clear look. And then we see the ceremony of all the Westerosi lords swearing fealty to Rhaenyra, which also happens in the books. Um, what do you guys kind of think of the of the book differences here? There's not like a ton, but like I think that the Damon leaving because he's pissed off at not being named heir is an interesting one. But I uh, wanted to know what you all thought of that. Constance, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, there's a quote from the books that I like. Better the realm's delight than Lord Fleabottom. And that was... Del- <laughs> uh, so even before... He was pushing for Damon to be out no matter what. And, you know, R- R- Viserys had Damon as his heir, which made sense. But then he had his daughter. So it's like Viserys had that choice of do I go with the male line or do I go with the female line of, you know, and he opted to go with his daughter also because Damon probably would not have made a good king because he's a little too hot headed, a little too chaotic to, to have ruled appropriately. So Rhaenyra was the more logical choice in all aspects for, for air. So you really can't, you really can't say Viserys was, was swayed one way or another if you're looking at him, I think his his logic was sound in choosing his daughter over his brother, uh, Uzma. Yeah, I agree. And in the books, we have to remember, uh, Rhaenyra was still a child She's when she was named heir. Yeah. She was what, eight or ten years old, right? Uh, I think she was eight. Um, yeah, she was pretty young when she was named heir in the books. And from her childhood, she was raised uh, to be the heir. Like, she was invited in all the meetings. She was made the cup bearer. We still see that happening on the show. But the difference here is uh, that uh, they don't take Rhaenyra seriously, at least on the show. Because whenever she does suggest something, they laugh it off. They don't take her seriously. But in the books, I think... Uh, if she gave some suggestion, they would have taken it more seriously. And as for Damon, and I agree that Viserys is a push, pushover even in that. We can take that example from uh, changing Damon's uh, positions in the small council. First, he was named Master of Laws, then Master of Coins, and then he was changed to Lord Commander of the King's Guard. And even then, Otto wanted him room, removed, and he pushed Viserys to ch- uh, do that. And every time Viserys followed whatever he said. As for Damon calling uh, Balon, Prince Balon, an heir for a day, even in the books, I'm still not sure. I don't trust the source. Like, yes, uh, the kind of person Damon is in the books, I'll admit he could have said it. But on the show, uh, Damon is a little bit softer. Uh, like all the characters, uh, the, the edges were taken off from all the characters on the show. So I don't see him saying that, in the, at least on the show. What about you, Solar? Believe it or not, <clears throat> I'm actually in agreement with you in the sense of I don't trust the source either. 
Um, to say that Viserys, the peacemaker, the pushover, didn't want Damon on the throne to begin with, it's like, you know, I know not a lot of people wanted Damon on the throne, <laughs> <laughs> but Viserys, you know, um, just looking at the the amount of times um, Viserys changed Damon's job, it was really obvious to me. Um, that this is someone that wanted Damon close, you know, it was like, I could exile you anytime. I could send you to the wall. I could do a whole lot, but this job isn't working out. Let me just give you another job. I want you here, you know, um, as far as naming Rhaenyra, the princess of Dragonstone, um, in truth, um, I also don't trust the source. That whole better the better the realm's delight than the the king of flea bottom. That's a pretty elitist thing to say. And one thing that the books did not portray Viserys as was that. Oh no, level that was Otto. Elitist. You know. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, that that was Otto. Sorry, my bad. It's yeah, been a little while. But yeah. Um. But. Being that it is Otto, let's let's take a look at that guy in relation, or sorry, let's take a look at <laughs> fuck that guy in relation to um, Viserys on this. Like, he was trying to work Viserys at every single turn, both in the books and very much on the show. And we talked last week about the rivalry between Otto and Damon. So... <clears throat> when it came down to it, um, Otto didn't want Damon around, but Viserys did. Viserys very much wanted Damon around because it took forever and a day for him to send him away, although he could have at any moment. Now, the way that the books portrayed him was weak and the way that the show portrayed him was committed at all cost to keeping the peace. Um, so it was, uh, I, I can say, you know, <clears throat> the character is still very conflicted on this, but I really don't trust the narrator of the book given, um, given how most of the small council thought of Damon and the way that they would speak about Viserys, although, you know, if you speak poorly about any king, it's a job for life, but not for long. So, yeah, this is super unreliable narration on that one. So that, that's what I would say. Although, what does Mushroom have to say about it? <laughs> I don't know. It, you know, I, I'm I, not sure if Mushroom... Yeah. I can't remember if Mushroom is... is already talking about this part or if he comes in later i think this might all be uh, mushroom doesn't, mushroom doesn't say, say anything about boring parts yeah if there's no sex <laughs> or yeah. scandal he doesn't care yeah yeah i uh, yeah if there's no nudity mushroom's not talking about it yeah he's like the howard stern of westeros essentially <laughs> All right, so we move on. Um, we have uh, Allison and Viserys are pretty much hanging out all the time. They're getting close. And Viserys and Rhaenyra are kind of like not quite on the same page since Emma's death. 
Um, Corliss and Rhaenys offer up their daughter Lena as a possible queen, since, like, the king must marry again. Um, she's 12, and Viserys is just not into that at all. Um, in the books, it's actually Grandmaster, I don't know how you say his, this name, Runesiter? Runesiter? I call it Runesiter. <laughs> we'll go with that one. That sounds better than what I was yeah. saying, so... Runesitter, okay. And at this point, also in the books, Lena is already riding Vagar, which is, like, kind of badass. Um, back in King's Landing, uh, Viserys and, Re- and Rhaenyra, like, after all this kind of, like, talk of who he's getting married to, kind of she has her own kind of deals with marriage coming up, they finally get on the same page until Viserys is like, I'm going to marry your best, your best friend <laughs> and possibly kind of girlfriend. And this makes Corliss furious, obviously. And um, Rhaenyra just kind of looks like fucking heartbroken because, like, you know, she didn't see any of this coming up. And she's kind of, like, trying to make peace with with her dad and Allison. Um, And in the books, uh, Corliss is actually in Driftmark when he gets these news, but uh, he's just as furious. And they definitely don't go to the wedding of Allison and uh, Viserys, you know, (laughs) for obvious reasons. And then this moves on. Uh, we get like a few years later, and Viserys is celebrating Aegon's second name day with a hunt. Um, he gets some more in- info about the Stepstones again, but like Viserys just does not care about the Stepstones. Stop bothering like him with the Stepstones. He doesn't give a shit. He wants to party. He wants to hunt. Um, but eventually, he does kind of offer help to Damon. So I guess like there's a little bit in there. Um, but he's like, right now he's having a lot of issues with Rhaenyra. Succession is being questioned since Aegon just like was born. Um, Rhaenyra is like not interested in marrying any of these dickheads walking around kind of asking for her hand. Um, and during this like whole party situation where like Rhaenyra's ran off, he um, kills a buck, but like he doesn't hunt the buck. Like everyone else kind of hunts it for him and then he <laughs> takes the final strike. Um, in the books, during, like, all this time of peace, like, Viserys loved to throw parties in tournaments, um, and he was not an athletic person, so, like, when you have, like, Aegon's birth, Helena's birth, Aemon's birth, um, he was all about, like, throwing a party for those, like, any type of birthday, his anniversary, whatever, he was all about it, um, and being not athletic, it makes a lot of sense that people hunted for him, and then he took kind of, like, the credit afterwards so i kind of like that the that's how the show did that with like book viserys um and then also in the books he does consistently send gold to damon in the step zones but at the same time he's like ignoring the whole issue and just throwing money at it you know like a like a perfectly like you know royalty would do like just throw money at the problem it'll be fine (laughs) so finally damon returns to king's landing as king of the narrow sea and he lays the crown down and swears fealty to viserys uh, Viserys is obviously stoked about this. Um, we've talked about like how that's different in the books before, so I'll, I'll skip over that. Um, but he's also just like being a dick to Allison. Um, he's basically like treating her like a child incubator, essentially. Like she's just there to like make babies. Um, and then he's also trying to just like get Rhaenyra married. So like Rhaenyra and Allison obviously like are kind of connecting with that, but he's butting heads a lot with Rhaenyra over this. Um, after like a night out with the Rhaenyra that has with a uh, with Damon, um, Sir Otto feeds Viserys the rumors of Damon and Rhaenyra getting it on, um, and uh, once again this is like 
you know, he's Viserys just gets like super pissed off. Um, he sends uh, Damon back to the Vale once again, and he confronts Rhaenyra about it and lights up that dagger. And we see from my blood comes the prince that was promised, uh, and his will be the song of ice and fire. Uh, he demands Rhaenyra wed Laenor, and she does agree to this because it will heal this relationship with the Velaryons that, like, the Targaryens have kind of, like, had a bunch of digs at them at this point if we go back all the way to the council. Um, and uh, he actually unnames Otto as Hand because Rhaenyra demands to do that if she's going to marry Sir Laenor. In the books, um, Alicent actually proposes to marry Aegon to Rhaenyra, uh, but Viserys disagrees because he just thinks that Alicent wants the throne, which in the books it does kind of seem like that. Um, Laenor's marriage actually like settles a lot of animosity from the Great Council that we don't really that we kind of get in the show, but not as much since Laenor was like the was kind of like a top pick in the books, but in the show it was Rainey's, but it still kind of cleans things up. Um, Rhaenyra is not actually into wedding Laenor in the books because of him being into men. Um, and Viserys actually, it's, well, it's rumored that he had to threaten her naming Aegon as heir to actually convince her to, uh, marry Laenor. Um, uh, Otto and Allison obviously want Aegon as, like, with the whole, like, succession thing, like, Aegon's born and they're pushing for him to be named heir. Um... And this is this actually causes Otto to be unnamed as heir. Like he's pushing way too hard. Like he keeps bringing it up. Allison keeps bringing it up. And this happens a little bit before the whole Damon Rainier situation. Um, and when the whole Damon Rainier situation happens, Damon gets exiled from the Seven Kingdoms. Like it's not it's not go back to the Vale. It's get the <laughs> fuck off my continent. And that's like basically how that happens. Um, I'm interested to like know what you all think of the differences from the book to the show here. These are like probably some of the bigger differences I found, especially the whole like um, Allison proposing marriage for Aegon to, to Rhaenyra. But yeah, I'm interested in what you all think. Uzma, we can start with you. Yeah, I think uh, most for the most part in the books, Viserys is a pushover. But I did like some parts where he resisted uh, Otto and Allison, like in this instance, uh, Allison truly really wanted Aegon, who was just a child, I think uh, four or five years old, some, uh, I can't remember the age. He was just a baby, and uh, Rhaenyra was uh, a teenager, and she wanted them to marry. And uh, Viserys just rejects, rejects her. He says, she wants, I know she wants the throne, not... Uh, not like his he doesn't want the kids to be happy she just she is just power hungry so Viserys admits that she he knows Alicent wants power and that's something we don't see in the on the show because uh, on the show his Viserys is completely blind to the the high tower's ambitions he genuinely thinks they are uh, his friends and like they really care about him but that's not the case in the books. And there's another difference uh, is when Mary, Alicent marries uh, Viserys. In the books, they are not friends. And so it uh, it doesn't go down that way. But on the show, Rhaenyra is, gets really mad because uh, Alicent marries uh, Viserys. Uh, and she's hurt because they went behind her back. I, think, I don't think she would have been that mad if Alicent had told her. 
but um, that's what happens whereas in the books uh, they get along pretty well at least in the be beginning when Alicent marries even during uh, the wedding uh, if I remember correctly uh, she kisses both cheeks of Rhaenyra uh, during the tourney or something so yes there are a lot of difference but I like the show ver version better at least in this case it may gives more depth to their characters and it creates conflicts like people are divided whether who is good who is bad in the books it's pretty much very clear that the high towers are the bad guys they only want power in the books and Viserys is weak because he gets gives into them he is easily manipulated by uh, the high towers in the books this happens on the show as well but uh, Viserys resists more on the show. It's pro mostly because of Paddy. Because uh, he said when they were given the character of Viserys, he uh, he gave the idea that Viserys is still a dragon. So he should still be able to fight back. So it was uh, Paddy Constantine's idea to give uh, Viserys more, you know, power and will to fight back. <laughs> what do you think, Solar? Um, <clears throat> good job, Patty, because, man, that guy needed some dignity. Um, you know, it's funny when I read, um, when I read the book, I felt bad for Viserys. Yeah. I, I really did, because, um, um, what I definitely liked as far as the differences between the books and the, and the show, um, I do like that Viserys like trains. I really do get that. The um, I, I really did appreciate the fact that being king and keeping the peace yeah. was what he was interested in, but everything <laughs> else he could have done without. <laughs> you know, um, from the dude, my wife died yesterday. Shut up. To can we? Can I just have a drink without somebody trying to marry my daughter for a hot minute at the hunt? <laughs> you know. Um, so if, if this was the recommendation of the actor, then well done, well done actor, well done directors, um, for giving a third dimension to this character. Cause yeah, um, in the books, I'm not going to lie. I felt bad for him. I didn't particularly love him, but I also thought it was awesome that he was the last writer of Beleri and the Black Dread. I'm like, dude, this guy must be awesome. <laughs> uh, I guess not. <laughs> I, I, I guess Balerion was kind of done with war at that point, saying, you know, I just I, I, I want to hang out with the dude that likes trains and, um, you know, likes trains, plays with toys, likes having parties and likes drinking. That, that's good. Um but yeah, although the difference of Viserys knowing that the High Towers were just all about that power um, versus, no, I turn a blind eye to everyone I love and I love everyone. I don't know. I don't know. I would really I, I really do got to give that a lot more thought because I'm on the fence about it. You know, um, I saw a lot of similarities between he and Tywin. Excuse me. 
in the show's portrayal as the everyone's telling you what's happening and he's like la 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 <laughs> um my brother is not with my kid my daughter isn't power hungry just la 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 or my my wife isn't power hungry and my best friend is actually my friend and not just some dude that's in it for in it for the clout um i hated that aspect of him but i kind of understood it um being the type of person that wants to see the best in everyone you know so yeah um as far as changes from the books i do appreciate the changes that were made for the show and i like the character a lot better um how well, about you a good job of flushing him out because viserys doesn't have a lot of personality in the books um that's that's something that i noticed is that they gave him more depth the whole thing with like the model city that's not from the books yeah. that's entirely from the series True. so the fact that he's bookish <laughs> and that he's really into history and he's really kind of a nerd that's the series version of him, which I, I think I like better. Yeah. But I think when it came to the books, I didn't see him as being as much of a pushover. I think in the books, he's a little tougher because hmm. he's the one that threatens to revoke Rhaenyra's job as heir. Right. He doesn't do that in the series. He doesn't do that in the, in the series. He does that hmm. in the books. He's the one that says, even in the books, I know that Alicent and Otto are making a power grab by trying to betroth our kids together. No, that's not going to happen. And it even says that he knew that was a power grab. Yeah. So I think that he may have been a little more savvy in the books. At least it struck me as he was a little more savvy. Um, but I, I guess you guys have okay. different opinions on that. But that's what makes it all interesting. <laughs> I would also like to add in that it makes sense why Viserys wants peace. Because he grew up in uh, during the reign of King Jaehaerys. And uh, King Jaehaerys' reign was the longest and most peaceful reign. So that's what he wants. And what he, I think what he tries to do is uh, to copy Jaehaerys. He wants to be like uh, Jaehaerys. But Viserys wanting to be uh, like Jaehaerys is kind of like Cersei pretending to be Tywin. <laughs> A really, really bad copy. <laughs> Because uh, Viserys um, runs, uh, ran away from his problems, whereas Jaehaerys was uh, someone who tackled the problems. Uh, he took uh, strict action when needed, but Viserys was kind, the kind of person who would turn a blind eye to all his problems and will wish that the problems will go away on their own. So that's what I think. Back to you, Sam. So we're now at uh, like when we're seeing like Rhaenyra's wedding is being formed. Uh, the Valarians have agreed to marry Laenor to Rhaenyra, um, and we see Vin Viserys is looking rough. He's like kind of like got his walking stick at this point. He's being leeched. He's starting to take medicines, and he actually is talking to his new hand, Lionel Strong, and asking if he's a good king. Um, he's basically bringing up, like, all these other kings who were at wars, had these, like, great, like, battles and whatnot, and, like, Lionel brings up and tells him that, like, peace is a good legacy, and, like, Viserys is just, like, having a hard time even believing that there's peace, because he's, like, already dealing with Alicent and Rhaenyra kind of clashing, with Rhaenyra clashing with him, so, like, in his head, there's a lot of chaos, not a lot of peace, but he still is, like, wondering if he's a good king. But it's uh, wedding time and everyone is just like kissing ass except the Valarians who shut everybody up. Um, Damon rolls in to the annoyance of Viserys because like last time we saw this happen, he got booted up to the Vale. 
Um, and during this like uh, speech that Viserys has, Alicent actually interrupts him in a in a dress in green, um, which is basically her calling out everybody in there as well. Um, so after the chaos with Chris on everybody's bad side, um, now the wedding takes place in a destroyed hall, and uh, Viserys faints from his illness. Um, in the books, Alicent actually rolls in to um, hers and Viserys' fifth wedding anniversary, all dressed in green. And um, conversely, Rhaenyra also comes in dressed in red and black. And at this point, it's like Viserys is really struggling to keep the peace between Rhaenyra and uh, Alicent. And this is like seen as like a huge like line in the sand during their uh, wedding anniversary. Um, a decade later, we have um, Viserys is presented with uh, Joffrey Rhaenyra's third son, um, he's looking even worse at this point. Like he's, you know, it's 10 years later. He's already looking like the Crypt Keeper before. Um, he's barely kind of walking. Uh, he's playing with his model when Alicent brings up Rhaenyra's children looking like the Strongs. And he, again, he just doesn't want to hear any of this shit. He's heard this multiple times from her. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, stop bringing this up. Um... At a council, Rhaenyra proposes a marriage between Jaceris and Helena, and also offers up a dragon egg for Aemond, and Viserys is just, like, loving it, you know? Like, he loves it. He's like, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's get a dragon egg. And Allison is just, like, shutting him down. And he, you know, like, it's kind of almost disappointing to see. Like, he's, like, all pumped. He's like, yeah, we're going to get the family together. And Allison's like, no, not happening. Um, and then at this point, Lord Lionel actually steps down his hand to, uh, Viserys's dismay. Like, it's, like, I think that he viewed Lord Lionel as one of the few people who was actually giving him good advice and, like, he wasn't in it for himself. Um, in the books, the, when Viserys is thinking about who to replace Lionel, he does think of Rhaenyra, but the issues are so bad between Rhaenyra and Alicent and their families that he just, like, cannot have them in the same area, so he doesn't bring Rhaenyra in. Um, it's also um, worth bringing up that when Jaceris is born, he is born around the same time as El Alicent's third son, Daeron. Um, and Viserys actually gives them the same wet nurse, trying to, like, make them milk brothers, thinking it would bring them closer. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't happen at all. Um, and also, Viserys is, like, super smitten with Rhaenyra's sons, which is, like, kind of shitty for Alicent's kids. Um, he even sits uh, Jace on his lap and says, one day, this will be your seat. Uh, which brings us then to Lena's funeral. Viserys is talking with Damon. Otto is back at his hand. Um... Damon mentions about how cruel the gods are to Viserys, looking like shit. Um, Viserys just wants Damon to come back to King's Landing. He just wants his brother to come back. Um, and Viserys heads to bed, mistaking Allison for Emma. Uh, sorry, Allison. Um, in the books, Damon actually requests to come to, to come to King's Landing to present his daughters at court. Um, and at the disagreement of the entire court, Viserys actually does allow um, Damon to come back. Um, Viserys, and then we have the infamous Aemon One-Eye scene where Lucerys takes Aemon's eye out. Viserys is absolutely furious with the Kingsguard not being around the children. The strong rumor comes up, and this is when Viserys threatens to take tongues out of anyone who says any of that shit. And he's just yelling at his family, we are family, like, get your shit together. Um, and then that'll bring us to a few years later when Viserys is, like, essentially... Um, 
He's bedridden. He's not getting up. He's completely knocked out. Um, Luceris' claim to drift mark is in question after Coralis is injured. Um, Viserys is in a cloud of milk of the poppy. Half of his face is bandaged up. And his model of Valyria is just like all cobwebs. So similar to Viserys, the model is looking like shit. Um, Rhaenyra and Daemon arrive to like fight for Luceris' claim. They present um, their children Aegon and Viserys to Viserys. And Viserys kind of get, you can tell that he's pumped that there's a kid named Viserys. He even says like, great name for a king. Um, and later on, Rhaenyra is begging Viserys for his help for Luceris' claim, bringing up the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, and when court begins, it seems pretty clear Vaymond is going to be named Driftmark's successor, uh, but Viserys rolls in in probably one of the best parts of the whole show so far, gold mask on his face, he's going in on his cane, he kind of stumbles a bit, his, his crown falls off, Damon comes in and helps him out, it's fucking sweet and cute as hell. Um, and declares Lucerus the successor, but Vayman calls him a bastard, and Damon just fucking slices his head off. But Viserys was getting his dagger out at the same time, so Vayman was dead one way or another. Um, in the books, and this, I, this is like, I kind of wish this part was in, it was yeah. in the show. I kind of get why it wasn't, but in the books, Vayman is killed. Um, and you know, we know that he's fed to a dragon, but in the books also, Vayman's cousins end up going to King's Landing and saying all this same shit to Viserys and Viserys has all their tongues mm-hmm. removed. So, and he even says, I warned you, which I guess like what you were saying, Constance, like he isn't actually portrayed as much of a, as much of a pushover in the books. Good That's point. a pretty like not yeah. pushover yeah. kind of move. Yeah. Move. Yeah. Uh, the Green and the Blacks are having dinner, and Viserys, like, pleads that everyone makes peace, and, like, everything does seem kind of chill, um, but as he's getting tucked in, um, by Allison, he mentions Aegon's name, which Allison obviously misinterprets, and he dies. Um, in the books, Viserys, so his sickness isn't actually from the throne in the books. There is a point, like, his sickness is that he just, like, gains weight and gets gout. That's kind of, like, his biggest thing. Um, he does get injured from the throne after the whole Vayman situation with the cousins. He's like trying to go up onto the throne and he falls and cuts his hand. Um, he does have two fingers removed, but that's just, that's the only instance of the throne actually hurting Viserys in the books. So, um, also after he dies, he he dies after playing with Helena's children. And after he dies, his body isn't handled by the Silent Sisters until a week later. Allison is keeping it completely a secret um, until Aegon is crowned king. That's when she finally gives his bodies to the secret sis or the silent sisters. And he's like, his body's like rotting. It's disgusting. And, um, and then Aegon gets crowned king and his body gets taken care of. Um, so what do you all think about? Like, I kind of was curious about the whole cousin scene, obviously, because I fucking love that part. I think it's so cool. And also the whole like, how Allison handles his death in the books and how it's handled here. Um, Solar, we'll start with you. As far as the handling of the body um, in the books um, versus the show, I like the way the show did it better. Um, I actually think that condensing everything into one or two days um, really helped raise the dramatic tension, you know? Um, excuse me. I mean, he was already pretty right, but you know, being king makes you fall to pieces. Um, but keeping it for a week 
you know, a, a week in that room, like, where did she sleep? You know, that was, that was my question the whole time. I'm like, you know, does she still sleep in there? Is she taking time in the sept? I mean, what what is she doing here? Um, and the softening him up, like, you know, I gotta say, yeah, Constance, you're, you're right, because... You know, the stuff that he did in the book was much more Targaryen and much more regal. <laughs> um, Authoritarian? You know, in the sense of like, um, I just want to have parties. I just I, I just want to chill. Everybody's at peace. Can we have peace? Let's stay at peace. Um, and a lot of his moves in the book really have that sense of what my grandmama used to tell me with the don't make me get up. <laughs> kind of, if I got to get up, somebody's losing their tongue. And, you know, and if I got to get up, I'm kicking my brother off the continent type of thing. So I kind of I kind of get that. I guess I'm I'm making the same mistake of mistaking his kindness for weakness like the other lords of Westeros would. That that that's what that, that that's what I would have to say on that. You know, as far as cutting up the body and feeding it to dragons, pretty awesome. Very expensive. <laughs> I see why they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of which, Constance, what what's your thoughts I, on this? We'll save this for our discussion on Allison, but I think that book Allison is much more vicious than show Allison. Yeah. Uh, that's, but that's like a completely different topic on its own. So we'll, that, but I think, like I said, I think they did, Viserys has strength to him, but he, he was blindsided by his ambition as the peacemaker. I mean, he had humongous shoes to fill in Jaehaerys. Uh, Jaehaerys did so many wonderful things for Westeros. It's like, where do you go from here? You're standing on the shoulders of giants, but how do you climb even higher? And Viserys didn't know how to do that. All he could do was kind of keep things status quo. And I think that it's a reflection on his dream to at least make peace among his family. If he couldn't do anything great for Westeros, he could at least keep things where they were. And he couldn't keep his family where it was. So I think that they mm -hmm. did a good job in the book of showing that he just wanted things to be normal and, and everybody to be, excuse me, in the show to be normal and everyone get along and everybody do your job and everybody, you know, be, be there for me. Like I'm there for you. And he was always there for people. And that's why he got betrayed you know, by so many people in so many little ways. Uh, but Uzma, uh, what's, what's your thought on this? The way how it's portrayed on the show, I feel, I don't feel as bad about Viserys as I do in the books because, uh, at least on the show, we see that uh, Alicent really cares about cared about him. She actually cried and uh, she tried to take care of Viserys in a way. But in the books, they knew he was sick. They knew he was dying, and they had people on watch. They had like uh, bribed the servants uh, to if anything happens, if when Viserys dies, they paid them uh, to come uh, straight to Alicent and tell her first and uh, nobody else don't tell anyone just tell me when Viserys dies when Viserys drops dead and when that happens the cupbearer tells uh, Alicent and the first thing they do uh, they lock that chambers lock on the servants and then uh, start uh, plotting to a uh, crown Aegon 
and uh, it's uh, like uh, yes it's bad on the show but uh, it didn't hurt that much like i was so shocked when uh, i read about how they left his body to rot uh, in his chambers uh, and uh, while they were secretly plotting to crown aegon and uh, it was because the smell got so bad that even people outside started noticing that something was <laughs> off that's why they had to crown uh, like well after one week they had to they had no choice but to announce uh, viserys's death um, if they could cover up the smell uh, they could have um, let his body <laughs> rot and another thing i wanted uh, i wished uh, was on the show was uh, his last moment with helena's children jeheris and jehera he was telling uh, the kids stories about uh, king jeheris i think going to the wall and about wildlings and him uh, king jeheris who are fighting wildlings and all that it showed that uh, viserys did care about his uh, grandchildren from alicent uh, as well uh, whereas on the show it does look like he only cares about his children uh, uh, grands uh, children from rhaenyra yes uh, he does care about rhaenyra and her uh, children more but he uh, doesn't ignore helena's children uh, aegon's children So I wish that was on the show as well. What what do you Sam? Oh, I mean, I think you all got my opinions <laughs> when I was going through it. You've heard my voice enough today. But that was our uh portrait of a character segment. Uh and now for our fire and blood segment, uh where the whole council digs into our chosen character story, Viserys. Uh Uzma, I believe you got some questions. Yeah. Uh so let's start with the first question. name one change that you liked and one that you wish they had kept from the books constance um i liked that they gave viserys more depth of character yeah. like i said with like the models and everything uh but i wish they had kept the part where he tears out more people's tongues because it shows that he's got more backbone than what he did in the show <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's my quick version on it. I know we're running low on time, yeah. so I don't want to give a really long answer. <laughs> uh Solar. Um the <clears throat> sorry. Uh the change that I liked was that he sent Damon home instead of kicking him off the continent. Um I think the his time and was it Essos or Bravos uh where he Yeah, his time in Essos with the new wife did a lot more for the Damon character um um than just kicking him off of the thing so early in the story. Um the change that I wish that they kept was him spending actual quality time with all of the children and grandchildren. You know, I I think having kept that it would have shown that he was a better dude than he seemed like cuz in the show he came off very much more like the party dude that didn't want to be bothered versus the dude that was trying to keep his family together despite being king so that that's where i sit with that <laughs> sam or uzma uzma mm-hmm. I'm, oh or was it yeah sam sam <laughs> <laughs> uh so i think i i think in the what i would have liked 
to keep in the books is like I think in the books he was seen as I feel like he was more of a partier in the books and I think that would have been an interesting like I like because I like the Viserys character in the show I think having that like extra party part like he was always just like trying to throw a party or like another tourney but obviously in the budget you probably can't have too many of those so um but the change that I did like the most I like that they they gave him like an actual like illness like from the throne and it wasn't just like oh, he has gout and it's messing with him. Like, I'm glad it was, like, this debilitating thing. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. It was, like, the throne doing it. Like, it was, like, a like nice, a like, you know, because we see about all that in history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we see it all through history. Like, that's, like, not the first person to be, like, attacked, not attacked, but, like, injured from the throne. So, like, I like that they that they put that in here. So, but what about you, Uzma? And, um... The change I liked was uh, especially the scene of Viserys walking down the throne room to protect Rhaenyra. Uh, that was so impactful. Uh, I really loved that uh, scene and I really loved that change. As for the, uh, the one I had wished uh, they had kept was Alicent's propos- proposal to marry Aegon to Rhaenyra. Because in the books, when uh, uh, on the show, when uh, Rhaenyra offers uh, to marry Helena to one of her sons, uh, Alicent rejects it, it uh, and it shows that uh, Alicent doesn't care about power, which is not how it is in the books. Uh, Alicent is uh, ready to marry Rhaenyra to Aegon, and I wish they had kept that on the show. Okay, moving on to the next question. Name one action of Viserys that you liked and one that you didn't like in season one. Uh, we'll start with you, Sam. Okay, so action action that I liked and action that I dis- disliked, yeah. correct? Okay, yeah. Um, so an action that I liked was... Um, I, I did like that, like, he was always trying... To, I guess, like, the actions was, like, he was kind of always trying to bring Damon back. Like, I liked that he was always trying to bring his brother back, even <laughs> even if he was, like, kind of the one sending him away all the time. Um, just because, like, it was nice to see that, like, he just wanted... Like, he really was, like, I just want my family around. Yeah. Just, like, I want my brother around. So, like, I did like that a lot. Um, what I didn't like was just, I mean... I think I think Emma is the easiest answer there. Um, like that was just like even if he was gonna do what he did, like he gotta at least have a conversation with Emma first or something. Like Jesus Christ, like just the whole that whole way he handled that was just disgusting and like. So I, I think yeah, I'll go with that one. Um, but yeah, Constance, what about you? Yeah, I was gonna agree with Emma. Uh, I was reading that there was another one of his Targaryen aunts had a similar situation where it was a save the baby save the mother and she's like save my baby they told her about it and she chose she made her own decision but Viserys didn't give him that decision so that's the one thing I don't like about him uh what I did like about him is his uh standing by Rhaenyra no matter what no matter how bad the rumors were even though he probably knew that they weren't Laenor's kids deep in his heart he knew but he still played the game and kept up appearances uh, for the sake of maintaining family and, and stability. And I thought that was rather uh, childlike, but noble of him. Uh, Solar, you've got a grin. We're practically in unanimous agreement. Yeah. Emma was the bad call. 
I'm like, give the woman agency, man. Let her pick. You know, she she might fall on the sword, as it were, just but she didn't give the chance. So, boo to you on that. Um, my moment of the series was actually the family dinner, where he stands up and he flexes as the patriarch, as the king, just saying, stop this foolishness, I'm dying. <laughs> you know, can we please just be a family? This This is stupid. And the fact yeah. that it worked, mostly, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that that was that that was that was my moment where I'm like, okay, I guess he's my king. I'm not like that's my king. That that wasn't my Aragorn in Return. <laughs> you know, coming off of the ghost ships moment, but that was as close <laughs> as he's getting. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that was where I sit. So. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with the uh, wife's choice. Uh, like uh, he could have told Emma about it, and he didn't. I think no one uh, would choose anything different. This it was so horrible. And as for his action that I liked, it was making Rhaenyra as his heir and sticking with it, uh, st- sticking with this decision until the very end. He protected her till his last breath <laughs> so that's uh, and moving on to the next question pick one character from game of thrones or house of the dragon that uh, you think is a lot like viserys similar to viserys uh, we'll start with you solar yeah <laughs> uh, curses it's a hard question curses this is a tough one. Who who in Game of Thrones would be similar to the set? Honestly, Rob Stark. Mm. I will say Rob. Um, not very qualified to be king. And even in doing the best that he could with what he had to work with, he just kept making the wrong decisions. And it was always based on emotion. Oh, always based on emotion. You know, um, be it ignoring that his daughter is banging his brother or ignoring that his daughter is pumping out bastards that are in line for throne to getting married for love or sacrificing a third of your army, (laughs) the strongest third of your army um, to protect your mom. Um, You know, I mean, it's when set in impossible positions as king, they go with their heart and that tumbles their house of cards. So yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say Rob Stark on that. <laughs> what about you, Constance? Uh, I'm gonna go with Tommen Baratheon. Yeah. Tommen really didn't fall in line to be king. They. Uh, don't say oh, sorry. When it comes that, to that was completely accidental. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that god! Was completely accidental. Uh, I swear, I swear. I didn't mention Rob losing his head over a girl. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh but, shit! Uh, he was mistake. He mistaken was puns. By, he was guided by greedy counselors. Yeah. People that wanted the power for themselves, and they manipulated him and his naivety to get that and use that. Uh, so that's kind of what I think of Tommen. I mean, you got to remember he was much younger in the books. And we don't know what's going to happen to him yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Uh, so hopefully he won't, you know, nosedive out a window. 
Um, but Sam? Um, oh, it's so tough. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Robert Baratheon. I'm just going to throw it out there. Love to party, you know, Bobby B. Love to party. He did take care of his bastards. Okay. So like, you know, he's always like making sure his bastards were taken care of for. So you could call him a, a family man. You know what? I changed my answer. I'm saying Renly Baratheon. I'm going to go Renly Baratheon. Renly. I think that Renly, yeah. I can see that. I think Renly Baratheon. Renly Baratheon was like, you know, he was, he probably would have been a good king, but he, you know, he wasn't a warrior. Um, I think he did love his brothers, even if they, you know, didn't really show love to him. Um, you know, he, so he was more about the tourneys, the pageantry. Um, you know, he, we see in the show that he's not really able to like be with Marjorie because of his feelings. Like he wants to be with the person he cares about. So I'm going to go with Renly over Bob, Robert Baratheon, but there's probably a little like combo in there. That's probably good too. I think I'm like, I think I'm one for three on these character decisions right now. <laughs> Uzma, what about you? I was about to go with Ned Stark because they were both naive and easily manipulated. But I'm changing my answer to uh, Robert Ooh. Baratheon because I can see the similarity. They both love to party. They, have, they both had a, a council that plotted and schemed and he didn't care about that. So I'm going with Robert Baratheon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. Back. Glad I could help you with that one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Sam. Oh, man. All right. So now it's our final segment. We have the Fans of the Dragon, where Uzma and Constance will give us trivia polls about the World of Ice and Fire and questions and comments from you, the listeners. All you, Uzma and Constance. All right, uh, we start off with our trivia question for this episode. And uh, going back to the very beginning of the episode in Love of Lore, what big energy does Blackfire give off? We were talking about the sword and what it made us think of. Uh, so what, what kind of vibes does that weapon have? Uh, so just go ahead and send in your answers to email, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Just get us the answer. Get yourself a Maester's link. Come on, people. Trivia. Do it. Uh, but I think Uzma, there's prizes, damn there's it. Prizes, damn it. I made those myself. Uh, Uzma, what do we have on our polls for this week? Yeah, just let me share my screen. Okay, the poll for this week was what Viserys could have done differently to stop the war? Which of these choices would have been best? So, first choice is uh, make Damon his heir. Or marry Lena instead of Alicent, not marry at all. Fire Otto at the very beginning, and on YouTube, uh, with forty-three percent vote, uh, the choice that wins uh, is make Damon his heir. So, and uh, second highest in this is with twenty-six percent. Fire Otto at the beginning. So most people believe. <laughs> so uh, on YouTube, most forty-three uh, percent fans believe uh, that making Damon his heir was the best choice. As for uh, Twitter, uh, with fifty percent votes, uh, went to Damon make Damon his heir, and once again the second highest choice is for fire auto at the beginning <laughs> with thirty-three point three percent. And just fuck auto. <laughs> And on uh, Facebook, uh, with 
Well, that's a more even split. Yeah. Uh, the With 32% vote, it's not Mary at all. <laughs> and uh, uh, second highest is, fi- <laughs> once again, fire auto at the beginning <laughs> is the second highest option. And some people have also added some other options. Kill Rainis and Mary Lord Corliss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Westeros ain't that see progressive. That one coming. <laughs> Bravo says. Uh, we had Aegon to Rhaenyra, kill the dragons, or switch air from Aegon after Aegon, Aegon was born. So what do you guys think? Uh, which choice would have been better? Uh, we'll start with you, Solar. Honestly, I'd say Mary Lyanna. You know, as much as I'm down with firing Otto from the very beginning, <laughs> like, you know, that that was unfair. But in order for him to prevent the war, because, you know, Otto did help him run the kingdom pretty well for a couple of years. Um, yeah. Marrying Leanna yeah. um, would have stopped all that stuff because it wouldn't have given Alicent a way in. And Otto would have tried would have had to try something else with Damon looming in the freaking crawl spaces, <laughs> um, listening and waiting for a chance to say something sarcastic. Now, that's what I think. Uh, Constance? Uh, I'm a solar. If he had married Lena, that would have forged a, a huge bond between his house and the, the Valarians. It would have healed the wounds that was left with Rhaenys getting passed over twice. Uh, and I think that would have made both houses much stronger. And we'd have a much different, different story. Uh, Sam? I think getting rid of uh, Otto Hightower at the beginning. If you get rid of Otto at the beginning, you, uh, you know, you, you potentially make him and Alicent leave. Therefore, um, there's no chance that Alicent is marrying him. And therefore, Lena would probably get picked as the, as his wife, his new wife. So yeah, I think getting rid of Otto would have been, uh, would have been the choice. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm noticing a common theme, which is whenever there's a transfer of the hand from one king to another, everything falls apart. Yeah. Now, there's one thing about Viserys we didn't touch on, and I know we're, we're, we're not going to be able to get to that today, but the rats. Let's take some time to discuss <laughs> what those rats were all about <laughs> in some other episode, because that was always associated with Viserys <laughs> and with certain things happening. So I want to go into that. We want to just—I want to discuss that with y'all sometime. So my choice is a little bit different, and I think you all can guess what it is. <laughs> uh, let me guess. I was about to ask you how many how many YouTube and Twitter accounts did you create to make sure that that was the top choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's low, dude. That's low. Okay, I only voted on like uh, right. Twitter with my uh, Ultimate Book Maniac account. But other than that, I didn't vote anywhere, not even on Facebook or YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so in all of this, I only had one, op- one vote. <laughs> but it was still for Damon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like real talk, I didn't vote on the polls because I would have added abdicate and named Rainey's the queen. That, that's what I. That's what I would have added. Yeah, so. But given what we had to choose from, you know. Okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. can you guys guess what it is? My choice. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think you went with um, Wet Egg Hunter. <laughs> no, no, we know you went for Damon. <laughs> oh, were you the one that added the Kill Rainies and Mary Lord Corliss? <laughs> I didn't take any it of the sounds, It sounds like a game of Mary Kill Fuck, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I think uh, making Damon his heir makes the most sense because... Uh, I think make, uh, marrying Lena would have been uh, made the situation even worse because right now we only have the high towers. Uh, now they have now that they have a son, it's a uh, high tower versus. Okay, maybe. Okay, maybe I didn't think wrong. <laughs> I didn't think that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you married Leanna, it would have been all the dragons and all the ships versus everybody else. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking uh, uh, in terms of uh, like Renida uh, versus the Valerians. But uh, I think if. I, I don't think Renida would have minded that if uh, she had married into that family. But uh, what if they didn't have any. Okay, I think <laughs> I'm getting way ahead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me think. Uh, marrying, not marrying at all is not a choice. I'm going with finding auto at the beginning. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, the reason behind my thinking was if even if she did, uh, even if Isaris did marry Lena and they had a child, uh, they still would have uh, had to go with uh, Rhaenyra versus um, their child. And if it came to war, uh, they would have had to face the Valarians, who are much more powerful than the High Towers. Am I making any sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, but I, I... Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think Princess... Um, Rainey's would have tolerated everything because you know that was the conversation she had with Rhaenyra like I don't like it but I know the I know the nature of the world but that wasn't her grandchildren so. uh, grandson on the line if it came uh, to choose between Rhaenyra or her grandson I think uh, Rhaeny even Rhaenys would have sided with her grandson instead of Rhaenyra and uh, high towers, uh, even though they are plotting, they don't have that much uh, power on of their own. Uh, besides, uh, the only power they have is the one they get from the lords of the seven kingdoms, the ones who believe that there should be a male heir on the Iron Throne. But uh, if uh, Lena's son uh, was against Rhaenyra's, then they not only would have had those lords who believe there should have been a male heir, they also would have had to face the Valarian fleets and uh, the power of dragons as well because Rhaenys had Melis and Lena would have had Vagar. Okay, I see mm -hmm. what you mean. So that's why I didn't think marrying Lena was a good choice. I think that would have made the situation even worse. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, uh, so... Now it's time for eulogies. All right, so we're 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 getting short on time here, so I'm gonna talk really fast. Uh, I'm good at that. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Today we eulogize a noble soul, one with regal bearing, sacrificed for the sake of the realm. We're talking about the stag that Viserys killed after a few unsuccessful attempts with that gaudy (laughs) spear the Lannisters gave him. Uh, Noble king of the forest. Uh, No, wait, that was the white stag. Uh, That was the king of the forest. Uh, So random forest animal, we salute you. Um, Our our actual eulogy is going to be for Viserys' father. Balon, the Spring Prince, Balon the Brave, Hand of the King, father of Viserys and Daemon. Uh, Balon was born in 57 AC and described as the lusty child who sucked hard at his wet nurse's teats. Two days before his birth, the White Ravens flew from the Citadel to announce winter had ended into spring, and so he was called the Spring Prince. Balon's name comes from an ancient Targaryen lord of Dragonstone from even before the Conquest. Uh, Balon loved his brother Aemond and followed him everywhere and wanted to be just like Aemond. Uh, and when Aemon was given a wooden trading sword, Balon found a stick, which he took with him everywhere, including to bed. Uh, and Balon earned his nickname The Brave by smacking Balerion, the Black Dread, on the snoot the first time he ever saw the dragon with his little stick. So that's where The Brave comes from, because, you know, to smack that big dragon on the nose, boop! Pretty brave. <laughs> um... He was knighted in 73 AC at the age of 16 after taking on the role of a mystery knight called the Silver Fool, an attorney in Old Oak. After that, he rode back to King's Landing to claim Vagar as his own dragon. And then he surprised Amon at Dragonstone, and Amon was the rider of Caraxes, so that's the, the two dragons were both there. Now, he was tasked with training his younger brother Vagon as a warrior. Both were not happy about that. Uh, the, worse, the more he drills, he said, the worse Vagon looks. At one point, they brought their sister Alyssa into the yard dressed as a man to encourage Vagon to make more effort, but she mocked Vagon so viciously that he ran away in shame. Uh, Balon and Alyssa got married in 75. It was a very happy marriage. Uh, and after their wedding, Alyssa Clay Baileys, the Red Queen, is her own. She gave birth to their son, Viserys, in 77 AC, a baby described as plump, pleasant, and lusty enough to drink a wet nurse dry like his daddy. Uh, Balon had no interest in ruling like his brother Amon, was instead happy to just make sons, which he did in 81 AC with Daemon. Both boys were taken up on Dragonback by their mother within weeks of their birth. Now, they had a third child in 84 AC, but Alyssa died shortly after his birth, and he died just short of his first name day, and his name was also Aegon. Uh, his sister Vasera wanted to marry him, but, uh, he kicked her out of bed when he found her there drunk and naked as the day she was born. She didn't want to get married, and right before her wedding, she decided to have a bender, went out with a bunch of friends, had a drunken horse race, and fell and broke her neck. And Balon felt distraught, thinking that he could have handled her better. And now, after Abon was killed in 92 AC with a crossbolt bulk in his neck from Mirish pirates besieging the island of Tarth, Balon went on Vagar's back and burned their ships, cutting them down by the thousands, leaving the sea foam pink with blood. He returned to King's Landing with his brother's body and wept in his mother's arms in sorrow. And as previously mentioned, he was named heir to the throne and Lord of Dragonstone on, on uh, what they call the Second Quarrel, when Jaehaerys skipped over Aemon's daughter, Rhaenys, in Balon's favor. Uh, they figured a 35-year-old successful knight and hero was a better ruler than a pregnant 18-year-old girl, no matter where she fell in the succession. Uh, but that was, you know, the Grand Maester and the High Septon kind of determined that. But Queen Alassane was pissed and she was estranged from Jaehaerys for several years over that. Um, Baylor was made hand in year 100 AC. He was a good judge of men, surrounded himself with He would have made a great king, but he died in 101 AC of a burst belly while on a hunting trip. He complained of a stitch in his side and when he returned to the city, his belly swelled and hardened. 
and uh, it's assumed that he died of appendicitis. That's the most closely linked you know, condition to what he may have died of. Viserys, on the other hand, as we saw on the show, thinks the High Towers may have had a hand in it. Just saying. Uh, Balan's death in 101 AC leads to the Great Council, where Viserys, his son, is named king instead of Rhaenys or her son, Laenor. And thus do we eulogize Balon Targaryen, Viserys' father. All men must die. And that's it for me. Back to you, Sam. All right. Well, that is our episode. Follow us on Facebook at AWPOIAF and Twitter at Ice and Fire Party and email us at watchpartyoficeandfire at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to comment below. A big thank you to our Lord of Editing, Jordan Reynolds, for editing and putting the episode together. Um, the episodes are always loaded and filled with mistakes. Uh, check out our friends over at Watch Party Lord of the Rings, who have all the lore and discussion you could need dealing with the Rings of Power series. And we have our pals over at Watch Party Wheel of Time with anything and everything you could need about that universe and series. Uh, this has been a production of the Watch Party Network. Thank you very much for listening and joining us. Uh, we are your hosts, Solar. Velar Morgulis. Uzma. Milo Mogulis. Constance. Let it be written. And myself, Sam. Valar Morgulis.